I got Pete Warner on here, uh, a phenomenal guy. If you guys don't know who he is, you'll see him playing on Sundays. Now they play like damn near every day, Sundays, Mondays. Anyways, Pete played at the Ohio State University. He plays for the New Orleans Saints and appreciate you coming on the show, man, because uh, like I said, you're a great dude. And uh, what is super cool is you're 24 years old and you're trying to learn more things off the field to put yourself in the best position possible. You're in your first contract in the NFL and offline before we went live, you were just about to elaborate on, hey, if I play well, that second contract could be coming where, you know, that's uh, the big payday, right? Uh, so, Pete, welcome, brother. Appreciate you taking some time today. Yeah, thank you so much, Tyler. I appreciate it. Um, it's an honor to be on here. Uh, I'm just fortunate to sit here and uh, talk uh, a little bit with you about uh, some real estate, football, obviously. Um, but, yeah, it's a pleasure. Obviously, uh, in a great position here to learn and, and um, kind of get my next foot in that door. How do contracts work in the NFL? We were we were talking on it a little bit. Uh, for me, it's super confusing. It's like you got your rookie deal. You could be on the practice squad. You can get franchise tag. Like uh, at a high level, uh, you know, what's that process look like with with contracts in the NFL? I'm still trying to figure it out. I don't know everything, but I kind of know the basics of it. Um, but I was fortunate enough to be drafted in the second round and I get the call from the Saints. So uh, obviously you want to go to a great organization. So I was blessed with that. Um, the contracts as far as if you get drafted, you're signing a four-year deal and you, that's either guaranteed or not based up on where you were picked. Usually the first round guys, a lot of it's guaranteed. Um, my first two years were guaranteed and so that means that based off of my four-year deal and my salary within those four years, my first two, I'm getting that money guaranteed. Now, um, I'm going into year three now. So if I something bad would happen, then um, I could get cut and they wouldn't have to take that. They wouldn't have to um, pay all that money. Somebody else would. Um, so it, I, I signed a four-year deal and I'm going into year three. So... The way I'm looking at it now is if I play well in year three, the Saints could offer me a contract extension after year three. And if I play well enough and they want to do that, then I can sign a deal that, that'll be negotiated anywhere from a two, four-year deal, something like that. Um, but it's good to do it early because you're young, you're healthier. Uh, you don't want to be playing until you're 35 like you see some of these quarterbacks. Especially not for my position. Not my, I take too many hits for that. I don't. I couldn't do that. Um, but if I would do that deal, that that'd be awesome. But yeah, four year deals for r rookies and then second contracts. It varies based on the team. And I, uh, I'm just fortunate now, um, kind of be in this position. You're holding some money as a young kid, but you don't know necessarily what to do with it yet. So um, I think that's pretty cool that just being in this position position and learning as much as you can to make the right moves but yeah it's a little bit about the contracts but i hope that I can get extended here after year three so i don't go into free agency after year four or if you go into free agency then any team can talk to you so um that's why when you get franchise tag it's because that team does not want to get rid of you <laughs> so hopefully i can play well enough this year so that that'll be the case they don't want to get rid of me so that's kind of my position but contracts, they're confusing. I mean, there's so many different things with undrafted guys and drafted players and five-year options, everything like that. So it's it's still something that I'm trying to pick up. And and I'm sure there's barriers on the contract as well, uh, or maybe it doesn't, but I think a big component that a lot of high-income earners and specifically professional athletes don't understand is uh, taxes, right? So it's like, hey, although you're guaranteed X amount of money, uh, or maybe you're not guaranteed X amount of money. It's not technically what is going into your bank account. Um, so maybe just shed some light there. And then the second piece that I'm curious about, do you guys get checks throughout the year? Is it just like lump sum? Is it every Sunday? Like how, do, how does that work? Yeah, so basically when you hear these guys signing these big, big deals, so let's say somebody signs a four-year $50 million deal. In our heads and all the players, 
it's like, okay, let me just take that, all that money and cut it in half because 50%, well, depending on the state you live in, it, it varies from there. But in my head, it's okay. I can make $5 million here, but I'm only going to get 2.5 of that. So that's kind of how the taxes are of it. But if you're in California, I talked to Nick Bosa and he's like, yeah, they're taking more than half of my money. <laughs> so he's signing $100 million contracts, but people think, oh my gosh, he's got all that. No, we don't. So um, it's a hard business to get into, especially for a guy not do, not getting as much and he's still trying to make the team, make the team. And you're not really getting as much as people might think, especially with the union dues and everything that in the league. Um, it's, it's hard. It's hard to stay in, although there's a lot of benefits that go in the part of that. Um, but yeah, that's how the taxes, that's how that goes. So that's, that's tough. And what was the other point um, you were talking about? The, the paycheck style, like, does that come in on Sundays? Does that come in like lump sum? Again, I'm sure it varies based on the contract, but what's like most common? So it used to be just game checks. And a few years ago, I think COVID might have changed it. They changed it to a 37 week pay period. So there's only a few months out of the year where you're not getting paid. So that helps some of those, some of those guys that just want to take their whole paycheck and spend it on a car or, you know, a house, buy their mom a car or house and guys would go broke. I, I mean, I heard some stories about guys having to work in the off season because they just blew it all on their game checks. So fortunately it's a little bit doing it a lot smarter and doing it that longer extended pay period. Bi-weekly, but through that 37 week is, uh, it's very nice and it helps a lot of people. What's the biggest adjustment that you had to make from, you know, college at Ohio state, which is damn near a professional environment, I would imagine, but what was like the biggest adjustment in your personal life, professional life that you had to, uh, you know, make to, to stay on top of it and continue to excel and grow? I think it's the way that you're treated. I mean, you're technically a pro now. So at Ohio State, the most time we would have off is almost two weeks. And I went through this off season and I was off from January all until uh, early May. So, I mean, that's so much time where I'm having to work out on my own. In college, it was, all right, you're doing this, you're doing that. You're almost treated like a baby. Um, but for some of these guys, you, you honestly have to tell them to get to class, do all this. So now we, we don't have class to worry about. We're treated like pros and they're putting a lot of that pressure on us, um, which I think is pretty cool because you might have so much talent in the world, but the guys that are going to make it are the ones that are accountable. They're dedicated to the game. They love the game. And uh, that was kind of the big, big adjustment for me is, okay, I have so much time on my hands, but what am I going to do with it? And how can I gain an advantage against my opponent? By doing what I'm doing now with all this time compared to what they would be doing. So that was the biggest adjustment for me is I got so much time, but man, what am I going to do with that? Well, share with me. What do you, what do you do with all that time now? <laughs> I'll just go through a little, uh, so week schedule, um, in the off season, getting a lot of massages. You were, I'll work out five days a week. So I'll wake up. You have, uh, you have Deshaun Watson's masseuse. No, I try and stay away with that. <laughs> Although I think that was a little bit his problem. But uh, yeah, we were making jokes about that in the locker room. But that is something you got to be a little uh, a little scared of. I don't hear a lot of guys <laughs> this type of story. But I probably shouldn't get into that. But uh, no, I'm fortunate to see good <laughs> back in Indianapolis. So I was there and uh, worked out. Either I had massages twice a week. I see another guy twice a week for needling and uh, cupping, all those different type of treatments. And then your day's done at one or two. And for me to get my head off the game, I'm a big golfer. So I I play golf in the afternoon. That was fun. And we also have a pickleball court in our backyard. So um, those are the two fun like activities I try to do just to kind of stay off my ass and kind of get going and doing something so it was a lot of golf a lot of pickleball and you're trying to keep your body right mind right kind of how that off season went that's awesome as far as um as far as like in season is it just like 
beyond all that. And you got the game and then you're flying back, back into the facilities. I'd imagine it's just like all in from, you know, kickoff of the season until, uh, you know, end of the season. Right. Right. Yeah. And it starts brutal in uh, late July, early August is when training camp starts. And it's almost twice as long as training camp was in college. And we're talking about a 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. schedule for a month straight, which is crazy. So that's a lot on your mind, a lot on your body, obviously. And then you head into a 17 game regular season where it's almost the same exact same exact thing every single week for 17 weeks. So it's a big mind game, uh, a lot in your body, but I mean, it's hard to stay focused going through that whole process. And you know, what makes it great is long off season. So it kind of refocus yourself a little bit. And then I know I'm going to go back into the grind, but it takes a lot out of you for sure. And I'm saying that, and I, I've only been two years with it and you see some guys that are already in year 10. So you got to credit them for sure. Yeah, what are some things that you've done? Uh, you know, the massages, needling, cupping. Um, like, what are some things that you do that's like, oh wow, I wish, I wish I started doing that five years ago, or, uh, or maybe you have been doing it for five years. Like, what are some of those like biohack type things that you've done that's helped you, you know, stay healthy, keep your mind right? It can be multiple things, but I'm curious to hear what what some of those biohack things uh, that you've done. I would say just as far as my body is, um, I've been big on massages. Um, try and get those, um, like I said, about twice, three times a week. But dry needling is actually what my body responds to the best. And it's kind of a form of acupuncture. But let's say I have a knot in my quad. They can actually target that area with a needle. And sometimes they'll put some stem on it to shake up the muscle a little bit, really tire it out. Um, so that's those are the two things that really help me. And then... As far as different treatments, uh, it's all based off of what your body reacts well to. So some guys love cupping, especially on their back. If they have low back issues, they'll do that because um, they see a lot of success with it. But for me, it's a lot of massages, a lot of dry needling. That's kind of how it is for my body. But that's just the physical part of it. And then you also got to think about how can I get my mind off the game? And that's really trying to get away from football and hang out with some friends, be with family, get off your feet. I just got a dog. So he kind of chills me out and <laughs> hang out with him. But, but in my head, it helps me play better on the football field because I'm not thinking about it all the time. So that helps my mind and I'm um, just being with friends and hanging out with them. It's, it's, it really helps a lot, but it's a, it's a whole process and it's all about me trying to get better at my craft and, um, if that's that's what's going to help and what's going to make me more money in the future, then I'm going to take advantage of it. Is it a, a puppy? What kind of dog do you have? I have a. You're going to laugh at this. So it's a, a long-haired dachshund. So it's a wiener dog. But it was okay, actually, yeah. actually hilarious though because I was scrolling through Instagram early. Uh, well, it was last night, and I saw Aaron Judge. He was on. He was practicing on the Yankees field and he was running around with his wiener dog and it looks exactly like my, so I'm like, let's go. We got another one. <laughs> Here we go. There we go. You're in yeah. Judd. Love it. <laughs> yeah. That guy's a fucking monster. He blasts home runs. It's an unreal. Let's talk about, uh, that area of, uh, professional sports. It's like athleticism and the amount of talent and commitment and determination uh you've seen it all playing at the highest level at ohio state uh playing at the highest level with with the saints which just for the record go pack go uh, i'm unfortunately the uh, cheese head so apologize hopefully you uh have a great year and then you come to green bay right i can make some phone calls we can make that happen um so, but who's the most talented player and or maybe a couple players that you that you've been around and maybe some underrated players that's like, dang, people don't even know how fucking good this guy is, right? Maybe he just hasn't had a shot on the field yet or maybe just like some nagging injuries. Uh, but I'm always curious to hear like some cool stories around just some freak athletes. And maybe it's you. Who knows? Maybe it's you. Well, it's not me, that's for sure. You talk about a white guy playing in the NFL, 
There's not a lot that happens around. That's the real question, actually, is like, how the fuck does a white guy play at the NFL? That's actually the real question. I, I wanted to start with that, but I was like, you know what? I don't know how that's going to go, but you said it, so. Well, it's, it's tough. You obviously got to work harder than everybody else because the talent might not be there. Although you got to, you know, I got to take a little bit of credit in my uh, athleticism, a little versatility there. So that helps me out. Um, but I mean, we're t- if we're talking freaks, I've been around a lot of them. Starting with in college, we had guys like Chase Young and uh, Jeff Akuda and J.K. Dobbins. Those were kind of my eye-opening, how am I supposed to compete with these guys? And it, it all started with taking every day one step at a time and, and having that confidence in yourself. I can compete with these guys. I'm working just as hard as them. I'm making plays just like they do, but guys like that, they got it. <laughs> I mean, they're fortunate and they got it. And if you add on how hard they work on top of that, then it, it's hard to stop guys like that. So that started early. And then now I'm fortunate to be with guys that have played 10, 12 years in the league. You are fortunate just to pick their brain and learn from them because you want to be like them one day. And I see a guy like Demario Davis, who's our middle linebacker. And I was kind of and that was the guy I looked up to when I first got in the league. I mean, I'm a young guy and I'm I'm playing next to this guy. He's making all the calls, all the checks, and he's got five kids, got a wife, and it's like, how do I relate to this guy? But um, it, once you play well, you earn the respect and um, kind of make your statement, and you start to get closer and closer with these guys, which I think is really, really cool, being a younger guy and earning that respect early from the guys that have proven it. So a guy like him, Demario Davis, is unbelievable on and off the field. Cam Jordan's another one of those guys, defensive end, played a long time. Um, Malcolm Jenkins, he retired a few years ago, but he was a safety, and he was just another older guy. But in his leg, he was losing it a little bit. His speed might have not been there, um, but he was so smart, and he worked so hard. And I love that because not always the fastest, strongest, toughest guys out there are going to play. It's the, the guys that have it mentally. And or who's available too is what I've, I'd recognize. It's like talking to more professional athletes, me uh, tearing my Achilles a couple months back trying to play just, you know, some pickup basketball. Uh, sorry to completely cut you off, but like that's one thing that is beyond evident is just being available, you know, just taking care of yourself to be available to actually play. Right. I mean, the durability piece that so you can also throw that in with physical and mental side of things. I've, I've played well my first two years, but I've also missed five, six games because I had an ankle injury and the front office guys see that. So you're constantly being evaluated, which is the tough part. And there's not a lot you can do with some of these injuries, but then again, it's still there. It's what you put out. So, um, those guys are fortunate. And I know you mentioned the guy that might be under the radar and we have a guy on our team. His name is Rashid Shahid. He's a young receiver he was an undrafted guy last year but the way he's performing in otas this guy is freaky fast he probably weighs 170 pounds but not a lot of guys can guard him but i'm telling you right now he's going to be very very good so i'm excited to see him he's one of those guys that didn't get a lot of praise uh his his rookie year but showed some side of it later in the season and now the way he's playing it's it's pretty incredible so as long as he stays healthy i'm excited for that did he give you some flashbacks of uh devonta smith <laughs> yeah i don't like to think about that now <laughs> i had to give you some shit that uh that guy was unreal i was talking to one of my buddies and he's like oh dude pete i loved watching him play uh and he's a Philly fan too. So he's like, you got to give him some shit. So shout out to my buddy, giving Pete some shit here. Uh, love it. Yeah, that's that that game was unreal. What a game. And as far as off the field, you, you mentioned that, right? Like you're so passionate and you got to be taking care of yourself. It sounds like you got a pretty dialed in routine. Like you're up, you're working out, taking care of yourself. Uh, you know, your, your mind is on the game which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, right? It's like an entrepreneur that's just like all in on their business. Uh, But what are some things that you are doing off the field? I know that you are 
you know, a big advocate of real estate, right? You're, you're doing some deals here and in Columbus, shout out to uh, Columbus, Ohio real estate market. Clearly I'm very biased, but uh, what are some other things that you've learned off the, off the field, away from the game when it comes to, uh, you know, investing and just other, you know, passionate things that you enjoy? Yeah, I would say 100% a big passion of mine is real estate. And that necessarily didn't start with me. It was more the players that I talked to on the team. You'd be surprised in an NFL locker room how much the conversation of real estate real estate starts. It's crazy. I'll be in Asana and all of a sudden I'm talking to some guy that just invested into a four-unit apartment complex in a house that's four houses down from me. So it's pretty cool how much it's talked around in the locker room so you're always you always have your mind on it but it, it started early because i was a young guy you're always told from your parents uh, everybody get your hands on some real estate especially if you're young and you have some money to spend do that uh i was lucky to get the chance to talk to you through uh zach Beebe, who i was obviously very close with in uh in college and uh Connected me with you and uh, Esteban and and what made uh, first little thing we did was gave, gave him a loan to do a duplex in downtown Columbus, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, so that was the first thing I kind of not didn't have ownership in, but learned a little bit about. You know, you're constantly getting these updates about it. And obviously Esteban's doing new, new projects more and more. So you look at those diagrams, and you can you learn a little bit looking at those every single time you get a chance. So I think that's pretty cool. But yeah, uh, the biggest thing I've learned, especially talking to players and, and with you guys is if you don't, I don't really know a lot about it now. So I'm taught to read some books and if you don't know where to make the right decision, talk to some people that do and make those connections early because you're young. And it, you might not know where the right way to go. Or you don't know, you know. So I'm just trying to learn as much as I can and talk to the right people and kind of build from there. But I'm happy that it's on my mind constantly, especially at this young age. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I commend you for it, man. Like like I said, when I started this 24, I'm like, oh, geez, I'm, I'm getting old, man. I'm 29, going to be the big 3-0 here. Uh, you know, next year. So I still got a little bit of time to, to stay young, but that's it right there. You hit the nail on the head, which is, I believe you should invest in who and what you know, right? So most people understand real estate is a, a safe, secure, profitable investment. Uh, it's been around forever, uh, but why? Like what makes it uh, arguably one of the best, if not the best investment class? So you can talk to people in the locker room and they can share their thoughts as to why. But the first piece is investing in who, right? So you're essentially investing in, in Zach because you built a relationship with him in college and you've seen the good, the bad, the ugly, right? Uh, and people, which I think is good, right? Because you can see how they evolve, how you evolve. Um, and you don't have to do it yourself, right? That's, that's one piece I love about real estate. It's like, look, Pete, you focus on you, which is the business. This is my business right? Build rapport. You can passively invest. Here's the perks of that. Here's the cons of that as well, right? There is some downside to it. Um, but then, hey, when you go get that next contract or you go do that next deal, you know, that's the beauty of real estate as well is even if you're passively investing, there's a lot of different ways to do it. You know, you can do a joint partnership where you both own it or you just get a, a debt interest loan, right? Through like private money. Uh, eventually you could start owning assets with us. Uh, and you may just say, hey, look, I never want to buy my home project and see it all the way through. Most people think they do, in my personal opinion. And it's like, yeah, you probably don't. Let's just find a, a structure that's a win-win. It's never to discourage anyone because I say that often. Um, but it's just because they're not informed that there's other ways to invest in real estate passively so they can focus their time and energy to go make more money in what they actually do, Right. So then when they have more money, they can continue to passively invest, earn that passive income, get tax advantages without having to uh, learn the hard way, right? So props to you for that. I want to talk about uh, the people side a little bit more. Who are some of your uh, 
you know, big mentors, you know, kind of growing up who helped you kind of like turn that light bulb on. All right, this kid's going to be special. Uh, I believe you admire your parents quite a bit and your family quite a bit back in Indy. Uh, but who kind of helped shape, you know, who you are today and enlighten that spark? Yeah, I would say definitely my parents, my dad, and especially on this real estate topic, he's, he's had money in different, uh, strip malls and different, uh, different houses and everything. So he, he was always barking in my head that this is kind of the way to go. Um, he, I was fortunate growing up cause he was a very busy orthodontist and did very well and actually owned the building that he practiced in with many other doctors in there as well and dentists and orthodontists. So he was already, he was on it early. So he's the one that really inspired me. Um, but my uncle is actually my financial advisor. And I remember you talking to me about that, uh, big apartment complex in Newark. Um, that was the guy that I was going to right away. Um, but he's awesome. And other than the top real estate, he really taught me about the whole connection side of things. Like his job is being great with people. And you think financial advisors, all they do is look at numbers and graphs and everything like that. But he is so good with connections and really getting to know different people. And that's really what he taught me is. And I loved how you brought it up about investing in people, not the actual project is because I don't, I don't know a lot yet, but if I build these relationships and establish that trust, that's huge. So those, my parents and, and uncle are, are really what got me on it. But yeah, it's, it's all about the people, all about trust and, and uh, working with the ones that are kind of there for you. Absolutely. What are some things that people may not know about you that you might be like super passionate about or? you know, might, might catch people off guard. Um, I know we talked about my dog earlier, but yeah, man, if you, t- if you saw me around dogs or puppies or everything, I'm kind of like a little girl. Uh, I love them. I like cuddle with them and stuff and speak some language that nobody can understand, but I think the dog does. <laughs> so I think that's, uh, that's definitely different about me, but I know we mentioned, um, golf and pickleball. I like to do things that are that are active um, outside of the game, um, but that's kind of what I'm passionate about. I would, I don't have any crazy, crazy uh, things that people, I guess, would might think. But, um, but yeah, I mean, just like to stay active, and, uh, and that's kind of how it goes. Pretty, pretty simple, um, pretty boring, I guess. No, that's good. I think it. I mean, one can keep you out of trouble if you have all this time now, right? Uh, keeps you active, but uh, I just played 18 holes in a golf scramble last weekend. And like I said, man, I'm officially getting to that uh, old white male status. So um, I'm going to have to start picking up the pickleball, uh, you know, the golf. But man, it was a lot of fun to just uh, be with some of my family and just, you know, get outside, move around a little bit, be off your phone. Uh, but that's where a lot of deals can go down as well. Right. Like instead of doing the traditional, hey, let's grab coffee or let's hop on a call, it's like, hey, our phones are away. Let's just shoot the shit for a couple hours um, and, you know, go be active. I think that's a a big mistake uh, people make. And you've probably seen this in the locker room and, you know, especially I'm sure like in college and whatnot is, hey, let's grab coffee or let's go grab a drink or let's, you know, go you know, just maybe not worth your time instead of, well, I'm going to be on the golf course at 10. If you want to meet me there, or I'll be at the gym. If you want to meet me there, we can shoot the shit and, you know, get a little workout and I'll carve out a little bit extra time. Um, but right now, uh, who, who do you like really look up to, uh, in the, in the locker room? Like, who do you think has, you know, been a pretty big, or maybe even a coach as well, been like a, a pretty big impact for you? Yeah. I, I mentioned DeMario, the guy that I kind of looked up to. But my linebacker coach, uh, his name is Michael Hodges. He's he's one of the younger position coaches in the league, but I've learned so much from him. He's very inspirational, um, very hardworking. He actually was a player at Texas A&M. Uh, so he's been through it all. And I think it's pretty cool how he has his own perspective on the game. Um, so he's a very, very good teacher because he's been there. So I've learned a lot from 
he reads these inspirational books and he's always giving us these different quotes before we go out to practice. So I, I always love that. It gets you all pumped up when I run through a brick wall or whatever. <laughs> but I uh, love that guy. And he's a guy that you can just kind of shoot the shit with and uh, not always talk about the game with. And he's a guy that I always want to be with. Actually, my girlfriend is really close with his wife as well. So that's always pretty cool. So we'll, we'll actually go to their their place for a linebacker team dinner next weekend. So I think that's always cool is establishing kind of that relationship outside of the game. So he's kind of the guy that I've been very, very close with. That's awesome. And uh, as far as opportunities, I think that there's definitely more opportunities than ever before. You know, we hear this staggering statistic all the time that uh, most professional athletes go broke, they go bankrupt. But yo, time times are different, man. I think that uh, a huge mistake even starting in college now with the NIL, again, shout out to, to Zach Beebe that's helping a lot of these guys just make immediate life-changing money, which is absolutely wild. I think it's just getting started, but who knows? I'm not in, in all the details behind the scenes. Um, but you can do a podcast, get brand deals. You can go to you know public speaking. You can write a book. You can you know put content out there. Like You are a business. And I think that these opportunities are bigger and better than ever. So what are some things that uh, you're looking to do, right, as a business and, and, you know, leveraging your name and your brand credibility? And what are some things that you have done that you would maybe encourage, you know, college players or professional players to consider? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on there's the opportunities are limitless. Uh, I mean, some of these young kids, it's hard, it's hard for them to make any excuses anymore about how to get into this and to that. It's like, it's right there in front of you. It's like, you just got to go out and learn and do it and be around the best people. Um, but as far as my situation right now, I obviously mentioned the duplex situation with Eswan and Zach, but my main focus and priority is being the best football player I can be now to eventually add more capital to create a bigger business for myself. At the end of the day, you're investing in yourself and what's on the best pedestal of importance is playing very, very well in football and staying healthy. So I know that there's going to be so many different opportunities, but my mind isn't really staggered crossed right now. It's really locked into kind of just playing really good football and being the best that I can and that and then it might get to the point where i'm later in my career where i can really branch out um i really do believe that i'm in a good situation now that i'm kind of getting involved with uh certain things and meeting new people um that it'll eventually set me up to then reach out to them where i'm at this point where i've established myself as a football player to get into that um but yeah it, there's so many different opportunities through the podcasts and being a great football player to get into certain opportunities. But as far as right now, it's really just locked in and, um, and seeing kind of with a like laser focus on, on the game. So that's kind of where I'm seeing it right now. And then eventually branch out um, and kind of reach out to people and see different opportunities. Yeah. It's gotta be tough is like, you know, taking your eye off the ball, right? Uh, it's just like that entrepreneur again, being like all in on their business. Uh, again, coming back to the real estate side, investing in who and what you know, but it's genuinely hard for me to, if someone's, you know, looking for my feedback or advice, which always lovely disclaimer, I'm never here to give anyone financial advice, advice, legal tax advice, uh, just my personal opinion. Uh, but someone that will come to me and say, you know, Hey, I want to invest with you. And it's like, look, you got like a hundred K, right? Why don't you just go put that in your business or yourself. I'm not saying that's the wrong choice to invest with me or other people. It's just like your business is growing a hundred percent year after year. So like if it's very evident that you could put a hundred grand into your business or into yourself and there's a very, very, very high likelihood that's gonna turn into two hundred grand, then that's something you gotta really consider. Most people try to just jump to step three. I think there's three steps to money. How do you earn it? How do you keep it? How do you compound it? And it's like, hey, if you can just keep maximizing 
how you're earning it, then it starts turning into a, oh, shoot, there's this thing called the IRS and taxes, right? What asset classes like real estate, can we keep this and compound this with, you know, less of my time or minimal to zero of my time? So uh, back to the contracts, you think it's a, a good idea to negotiate your contracts getting cryptocurrency uh, like Bitcoin or, you know, getting creative on the contract negotiation side, what are your, what are your thoughts around, you know, Bitcoin, crypto and leveraging that on your end? I, I, I agree. I love the whole thought of investing in cryptocurrency. Um, but obviously there's so many different sites. You hear about everything that happened Voyager and Celsius and all these things. So, and a lot of people didn't know about it. So I feel like if you're going to do that, be very smart with it. Um, but I don't know too much about it to really go in further with it. I have some money in it, but not a lot. I would say about five or so percent in it, which I think I remember talking to you, which I thought you, you said that it was a little, it was smart to have a little bit in it, but it, you just got to be safe with it. I don't know if we're at a point right now where I'd put contract money in it, just as far as regulation and stuff like that, but you would you might be able to change my mind on that. I'm just not really sure about it. I just know that stories like Tom Brady and Trevor Lawrence, where they took their signing bonus in Bitcoin when it was at $50,000, it's like, okay, what, what are they doing? But there's obviously a future for it. So I'm not really, I'm not sure about it. Yeah. Fuck Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers is better. <laughs> Yeah, how do you feel about uh, Rodgers on the Jets now? That's all they're pl- that's all they're showing on ESPN nowadays. I know, man. I know. I'm uh, so I'm a uh, have his book over here. That's why I'm I'm glancing over here. But I'm a Brett Favre fan. So I I lost my dad when I was eight years old, and the first like NFL game I remember watching was the game that he played after his dad passed, and he lit it up. Um, you know, being from small town Ohio, and most people are Browns or Bengals fans, right? I just remember watching Brett Favre and going, oh, I like that guy. You know, he's just fucking slinging the ball. And I feel like that's a majority of my personality is like, yeah, I'm going to throw some interceptions, but overall I'm going to throw more touchdowns and there, there's nothing that can take me out of the game, no matter what, right? Uh, so I like that. I like that mentality. And then I remember you know, Rodgers got drafted. I'm like, well, what the hell are they doing? I'm, dude, I am flawless GM for the record. So if you guys need to replace any GMs in the NFL or the Saints, I got it. I'm the perfect coach that sits on the couch. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Let them, let them know in your next meeting. But yeah, when Rodgers came in, it's kind of funny, just like identical story. He got drafted. Uh, you know, Brett Favre went out the door to the Jets. Most people forget that. And from the Jets, he went to the Vikings. Um, but I like I like Aaron Rodgers. I love his like controversy around the vaccine stuff. I'm huge into. You know what it is? I knew that motherfucker was taking psychedelics when he was winning back to back MVP because at the same time I started experimenting with uh, you know psychedelics and ayahuasca. And um, I remember he was talking in a press conference. I'm like. Oh shit, he's on psychedelics now. I can tell he's like too calm and collected. I don't know how this is going to play out. You know, back to back MVP, but him going to, to New York, I think is, you know, pretty wise. I think after this year, um, pretty evident. Like, hey man, uh, based on the contract side of things, based on just how the Green Bay Packer organization works, it's like that was our final shot. And dude, go get paid right? Go get fucking paid again. And the coincidence is funny though, you know, cause New York is very, uh, if you want to say liberal or, you know, all about the vaccine and all that shit. So obviously all that's in the past now, or at least it seems to be, I don't know, it depends on who you talk to, but I just found that to be uh, pretty funny that he decided to go to this New York market. Um, but we'll see, man. I like seeing him with Garrett Wilson, an ex Buckeye. Um, We'll see. I mean, like I said, diehard Packers fan and a diehard Buckeye fan, I'm like, man, it's tough to love those teams because every year there's a shot and sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. But we'll see, man. We'll see. 
pretty cool. And I'm, we were also talking about a, a whole crypto thing. Um, you think it was smart of uh, Trevor and them, or what are kind of your thoughts on that? I want to know uh, the rumor around FTX and Tom Brady. There's a lot of people like that's it right there. You hit the nail on the head with regulation. A lot of people don't understand, uh, you know, crypto in general, but let alone the regulation side, right? Like Bitcoin, it's already been deemed that it's not a security, right? Meaning if you bring in people's money, there's certain laws and regulations and things you have to do with the SEC. Uh, again, none of this is financial or legal advice. So consult with your own counsel. Uh, but that that's one thing that always kind of concerned me. Uh, I'm a huge Bitcoin guy, right? Like I'm I'm all about Bitcoin. I'm not saying that these other altcoins are not good or bad or whatever. That was just my number one concern. Are these projects getting launched by founders? Let's say you and I create a coin, you know, Buckeye coin, whatever. And you and I own half of the supply. We start marketing it on social media. We pay Tom Brady and Trevor Lawrence, you know, the, we give them 25% of the other supply. So we're trying to get you know, our audience to buy the remaining 25% of the coin. And then we all just sell and exit, right? Do the quote unquote rug pull. So when you're promoting these things, uh, you're essentially solicitating, right? You're essentially solicitating, uh, which is a big no-no. Yeah. That's why you see Kim Kardashian that got, you know, a fine. That's why you see uh, a lot of interesting things kind of going on behind the scenes. That was my number one concern. And obviously we saw the result of that. Uh, so we'll see with the whole FTX, those platforms that, you know, had big names come in and promote it uh, and see what was negotiated on the back end to say, hey, Tom, if you post about FTX, we'll give you, you know, $10 million in FTX coin. Well, we saw how that, that played out. As far as them getting compensation uh, in Bitcoin, it depends, you know, yeah. it depends, right? Like, they could have taken it, it went up a little higher, and they sold. They could have uh, been looking at it from a 10-year perspective. Uh, they, they, I think long-term, let's just say that the, the Bitcoin sits there, my true honest opinion is, oh yeah, over the next 5, 10 years, phenomenal decision. But kind of really the, the list goes on to like what you're actually utilizing that money for. Did you actually exit? Um, but I think a, a big mistake is not taking that capital, you know, putting it in real estate or maybe put it into a brokerage account that you can borrow from or other lucrative accounts that you can borrow from tax-free, right? And just compound that and continue to keep redeploying it into, into investments, right? So again, some people got Bitcoin, put it into Celsius, Voyager, BlockFi. They borrowed from it, right? They got a loan from it and the market tanks. And now- you have too much margin, you have too much loan versus the value of it. Now it liquidates and you lost it all. Now, hopefully if you borrowed from it and took that money taxly and you went and put it into investments, so hopefully you're still good. Uh, but to clearly answer your question, was that a good idea? Dang, it depends. Hopefully they're holding on for dear life. Hopefully it wasn't in those exchanges where they're going through a bankruptcy. Um, not your keys, not your coin, right? I would say based on rumors and speculation and whatnot, I could see how specifically for Tom, it may not have worked out too well, uh, but it's Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady. He can go put his name on anything. Now he's getting paid fucking hundreds of millions to go talk about football online. Right. So who knows? We'll see. Right. I just, uh, the, the one thing with crypto that I've seen the least risk side of things is with different miners, like the Bitcoin miners. And you even hear like different companies that you can invest in this company that has all these Bitcoin miners and you can, and I've heard stories about that, but that's the only way I'd probably truly get into it is maybe through the whole miner idea, but uh, it'd be hard. I'd have to see another few years before I'd, I'd really yeah. want to get Yeah. I, I think that again, uh, so yeah, talking on, talking on miners, the reason why I'm a huge advocate of 
you know, crypto mining as well, specifically Bitcoin mining is the way I look at it. It's basically a real estate play, right? You have the cash flow, you get daily cash flow that, uh, goes directly to your wallet, right? Hypothetically directly to your wallet. There's a lot of different companies, most of which went bankrupt. Um, but the, the key, key piece in my personal opinion are the tax advantages and the collateral. Meaning if you go invest and buy a bunch of miners, you know, you're buying equipment, right? Uh, depending on, again, none of this is tax advice, but you know, that could be hypothetically uh, a write-off, right? There's maybe some way that you can finance it through a business, an LLC, or maybe a sole proprietor under your name. So there's a big tax play, whoop-de-doo, all of it's a scam, at least, uh, you know, I, I can, you know, offset some of that expense on my taxes. Uh, but then actually owning the equipment, right? It's like owning a piece of real estate. That miner can be like the equivalent of owning one single family uh, rental property where if you default, at least you have a piece of property. If you're passively investing with somebody and they don't pay you back, at least there's property behind it, right? And and maybe their personal name behind it as well, personal guarantee. But that's why I ultimately believe that, you know, investing on the mining side made a lot of sense is that cash flow that's coming in, right? Even if that's not a ton or maybe you have to wait during the miner's lifetime to really see the appreciation of that coin, that, that price of Bitcoin to go up over three, four, five years, way worst case scenario, if it goes sideways, at least you have something tangible that protects you. So I agree with you for sure. Right. And I agree with the whole side of, it is kind of like a single family apartment complex. It's, uh, it's, it's an equipment, it's something tangible. So I, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I think, uh, the dollar cost average strategy is a, a solid strategy. Uh, again, your uncle's your financial advisor, you know, depending on your goals, depending on, you know, who and what, you know, right. I think that just dollar cost averaging into the S and P 500, the 500 largest companies that, you know, can earn you a dividend. It's, it's the boring shit, man. It's like the stuff that you have to do probably on the football field. Uh, the stuff that I have to do, uh, in business, just like the boring stuff works. Right. And we hear time and time again, uh, it just being consistent, giving it some time and the dollar cost average where X amount of money per day or per week or per month or per year overall is going into these different asset classes. Again, I'm very biased. I think people should put a lot of their time, a lot of their time into what's actually earning them money and then try to automate and delegate uh, the next pieces, which clearly I'm an advocate of real estate, Bitcoin, uh, but there's, you know, S&P 500, you can borrow loans, margin loans against it and do that. Like there's just a lot of unique strategies and things that you can do different insurance accounts as well. Um, so I'm going to put you and your uncle here on the spot. What are some like simple, effective things that he's, you know, advise you on and, you know, have you consider outside of real estate, any other lucrative type of strategy? You know, what's kind of funny is you brought up dollar cost hours and we actually talked about it a few months ago. So starting to, to do that, it's, it's kind of cool how we do it. And I actually was talking to my buddy, uh, Sam Hubbard, who kind of brought the idea to my, in my head, he was an Ohio state defense then now plays for the Bengals, but he was like, dude, I've been doing dollar cost average monthly, um, for the past two years and the market might be shit, but I'm making money. Um, and it's kind of cool how he did it. So if you, let's say you put like 10,000 and the next month the market went down, he's doubling down and putting 20 in there. And the next month it's even worse. He's putting 20 again until he sees a positive side, then he's going back to 10. So there's different ways to do it. And that's what I kind of mentioned to my uncle. That's kind of a strategy that we're working on now. But um, I would say working to diversify is um, a big strategy that we're doing now. I mentioned him, the thought of oil and gas, investing in those industries to divide, diversify a little bit. And I think we'll, we'll get into some cer certain things around that. Um, but yeah, I would say dollar cost average and just trying to diversify my portfolio is, is kind of the, the ways that we've been going around things, but no, it, like you said, it's simple. I right? think like the simple things are the right things to do. And, um, 
things that I've have tr- trusted to to work is kind of the ways that I'm doing now. Just not losing money on the way. Don't be too risky. Yeah, yeah that's that's it right there, right? That's hard to believe. One of the best, if not best, investor, Warren Buffett. Rule number one, don't lose money. Rule number two, uh, don't forget rule number one, right? So just, uh, that, that's the best way to approach things, right? Like how am I safe, secure? Uh, most people are actually programmed that way in life in general, right? Is, you know, just that fight or flight. It's that, how am I going to be able to have shelter, food and water? How am I going to be able to survive? Uh, so I've learned that talking to thousands of people and helping thousands of people reach financial independence. Um, but one thing as well that is oftentimes overlooked, and I'm curious on this uh, from from your perspective, is credit. Credit's the foundation of people's finances. It's how we get student loans, how we get uh, you know cars, mortgages. It's how the whole United States uh, operates, right, is based on credit and personal credit. What is it? How does it work? Um, how can you leverage it for you to accumulate more money, right? Actively and passively versus paying cash, right? Now, there's a big difference between credit and debt and bad debt versus good debt, right? Uh, but touch a little bit on the the credit side of things. Have you uh, been learning a little bit of, you know, personal credit and has it helped you avoid paying, you know, cash for cars and, you know, cash for a bunch of jewelry and all that, all that silly stuff. Right. Uh, just a little bit. I haven't gone, uh, too far into it as, as far as making like a big deal. I had to use it to take out any loans, although my score is pretty, it's good. Um, but I did a cash deal on my car and I haven't made any big enough payments to really see those side of things. Um, but no, I mean, obviously it's, it's so important to have a uh, good credit nowadays. And I think that's overlooked, um, especially by young people that don't really know yet, but, um, it's so important. So I'm happy to stay on top of that, but I will definitely see that when I'm looking to buy a place in Indianapolis here at the end of the the start of the off season but yeah no, i i definitely need to learn more on the that side of the thing is is the good and bad debt and credit and especially for the whole tax fee so that'll i definitely know learn about that absolutely i'm sure you got plenty of connections you know hometown backyard there for you but got some people in indy that can you know help you out on the, the real estate side as well and maybe finding deals for you or help with project management things of that nature so hit me up. Is that, is that like the next, the next target, uh, on the, the personal and uh, financial side of things, investing side is maybe getting that first spot in Indy first in rental property. That will be my first. Yes. Uh, is maybe see, so I did the loan with us and Zach that'll get back here soon and then maybe reinvest to have actual ownership in that. Um, and maybe one of their future projects, so that might be um, my first deal, depending on whether that happens before I get a place in any. But as far as right now, in that January, February range will be my first uh, first time to, you know, take out a loan or get in that whole side of things. So that'll be exciting. Absolutely. What's uh, what what's like your best best story that you can share that, you know, kind of really changed your entire life? Was it getting hit hard as fuck during practice at Ohio State? Was it maybe hitting someone hard as fuck? Was it a test that you failed or passed? Like what's, what's that story for you? What was that uh, good or bad adversity that, you know, really changed the trajectory of, of life for you? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have any huge stories that maybe changed my life. But I will give you a story that started my first meeting in uh, college. It was college football. Urban Meyer was there. This changed my whole <laughs> whole mindset right as I stepped in. I even think about it now to this day. But I w- it was a special teams meeting, and first meeting I've ever been in. I'm in some I'm some freshman dude 
all these seniors are around me, Terry McLaurin and the Paris Campbells and all these guys at Ohio State and Urban Meyer, we're watching some punt rep. I'm on the punt team, I'm the backup left guard. And our footwork's supposed to be right, left, right, finish through your block and go through. I just did right, left. I had a great block, finished through, but that wasn't right to him. So he's cussing me out, calling me Pete bitch in front of the whole meeting. <laughs> I'm like, you got him shitting me. But I didn't want that to ever happen again. I'm not embarrassed, everything, can't, whatever. But I mean, my footwork was perfect after that. But even other than football, it's like, I'm going to be so locked in because <laughs> I'm avoiding all of that. Um, but that really opened my eyes to the, for the whole game. I mean, you know, you think you're just going to go out here and play football now. It's, you're going to get bitched out if you don't do it the right way. So he was intense, but that whole intensity piece is um, what, what eventually led him to really respect me and like me as a person through my work ethic. Um, but the, yeah, that's just a little story that uh, gets me fired up now thinking about it to this day, but um, I think helped me. Pete, bitch. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good word choice, but uh, if you're Urban Meyer, I guess you can say that, but I'm going to pass. Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to stick to Mr. Warner. How about that? Uh, what was it like playing for him? He's, uh, he's had some reset, you know, he looked like he's a pretty big fan of the lap dances. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think we need to go too much down that path. I don't know if he's hitting up Deshaun Watson's masseuse as well, but what was it like playing for, for urban? Is he like the best coach you've ever played for? Is he the reason why you came to Ohio state? Uh, the dude is done miraculous things as a coach yeah he's uh he's unbelievable he truly helped me as a player i would say he's the most intense coach i've ever had as far as accountability and um just doing the right things and work ethic uh you know you, you, you learn a lot growing up through your parents about work ethic but once you're your parents are around and it's just you and trying to establish your future with coaches i mean they're they're really going to influence you the most um, so he was the intense coach that really pushed you to work hard and be the most prepared that you can be against different opponents. And then I have a guy like Ryan Day, who's more of a player's coach and uh, very smart, but respects everybody, knows everybody's name. Um, but it, it's just a whole different perspective. And I think that's the way that college football is going around now is the player's coach and especially with all these NIL things going on, you can't really be a dick anymore. But um, I was thankful to have both of them. And I think it makes me a better player now. But God, it, it's coaches like Urban Meyer, um, they, uh, they weed out all the, all the weak-minded people and you're either going to become tough or you can't handle it and you leave. And I was fortunate to kind of stay in his path and be guided by him. Uh, and it, it changed me as a person, not only just in the football world, but kind of outside. And I think I respect him a lot and he has a lot of respect for me. So, I mean, I, with everything that went down, I was kind of shocked uh, just because I have a lot of respect for him, but, um, but I credit him for a lot of what happened, what's happened in my future. You guys stay connected. You stay connected with a lot of guys and, uh, coaches and whatnot? Uh, yes. Him personally, not as much. I could reach out to him, call him up, and I know I get an answer back from him. Um, but a lot of the coaches that Ohio State, I'll still reach out to, especially Coach Mick, our strength coach there. I went to a recruiting dinner for them uh, last year. It was actually almost a year from uh, mid-June. So um, I'm not going back to that this year, but I, I stay connected with all those guys. I try to go back to Columbus. I was there twice this offseason um, and was there twice the offseason before. So you, you love the city. Uh, you love the the guys. I mean, they've done so much for you. and you, it, it means a lot to them to just go show up and be there and talk to the guys or, or whatever. So it's just establishing those relationships, not only for the benefit side for you, but, you know, what they've what they've done for you. So. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I got a couple for uh, a couple more questions if you don't mind. I know we're we're going past uh, past time here, but uh, what is it like coming back to Columbus and coming back in the the Buckeye locker room? Are you seeing some guys in the locker room like oh they got a shot? 
I mean, look, dude, Ryan Day, he's on the hot seat. If he doesn't get the the gold pants and he doesn't beat the team up north, uh, they might be calling me up to coach. You never know. So uh what what do you like about coming back in the locker room? What do you what do you see? What opportunities uh and specific guys just in general with Ryan Day taking over? The guy's got a lot of pressure. He's on the hot seat in my opinion. Yeah. Um I trust Ryan Day. I think he's an excellent coach. I think it's hard to say that he's on the hot seat, even though he is, just because he hasn't beat that team the past few years. But if you look outside of just that game, he's done pretty well. And he's changed a lot of these players' lives um, on and off the field. Um, but it, but it's tough nowadays because the game has changed. With the NIL things going on and the transfer portal, it's so hard to um, coach the way that you did in the past it's you can't be i don't know as personal it's it's you got to be a lot it's of hard to develop guys it, it's is what i'm seeing right this is yeah because if you say the wrong thing and they're one of your best players they're leaving and they're gonna go play maybe for that team up north so you gotta be you gotta be careful but i know that the ones that are dependable and that will run in front of front of a bus for you those guys are the ones that you want to keep the those are the guys that that'll make it um, guys that might necessarily play well on the football field but are the captains of your football team you see guys like jonathan cooper who might not necessarily have been the greatest player at ohio state but is playing very well for the broncos now it's those type of guys that i think ryan day has done a lot for um, and Urban Myers, you know, communicating to these coaches and giving them a chance because this is the guy that you want to have on your team. Um, but I would say it's hard just because the, you know, I played with some of the guys that just got drafted this past year, CJ Shroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba. But if I went back there now, it'd be hard to kind of evaluate a player just because I haven't been around them. It's kind of hard just to see. It's like, what are they doing outside of the game that makes them? that could degrade or add value to the to them. So you have to really be there and watch their day-to-day lifestyle to to understand. Is CJ going to make it? Is he finally going to be the the Buckeye that proves the haters wrong as a quarterback coming out of Ohio State? You think he's got what it takes? I think so. I think he's very talented. Uh, it is it is tough going being the one of those top picks and going to a team um, – like Houston, just not with the great organization there yet. But I think he could turn some things around, maybe get some some good threats on the receiving end. Uh, I think that was tough for Justin Fields. He was thrown in with a coach that got fired the following year, and um, he didn't really have many receiving threats, not a great offensive line, so he didn't have, have a great chance. Um, and the Packers, the Packers are in their division, so it's like, dude, you're fucking no matter what. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. You're playing against Aaron Rodgers for him to do something with that. Um, but I think I think he will. He's very dedicated. Great. He was a great leader at Ohio State. Um, and you could see things that he did well. I don't think that Justin necessarily did as well. He's terrific at throwing the ball in the run and leading a team, leading his offensive linemen. Uh, I think that's a, he's a, he's definitely different than the quarterbacks that Ryan Day has produced. So I, I I like his chances. Yeah, he played very well against against Georgia. It does help when you have uh oh my gosh, Harrison Jr. That kid, he is he is something else. Mm-hmm. I would tear both the Achilles if I try to do anything remotely close to what what he can do. Yeah. But dude, what else? Uh, what else you want to share? What else you got going on in in life? How can I help you? I want to you know wrap it up. Be respectful of your time. Uh, you coming up to Columbus soon or like what, what do you got going on? Uh, we'll see. There's a chance I'll be in Columbus late June, early, uh, early July. Uh, we get time off here about a month and a half after these OTA periods are done. So uh, Emily, my girlfriend, her best friend's in Columbus. So we'd like to go there, get some North Star fusion, whatever, because we love, oh, you know, well, you got the spots. Yeah, we got the spots. So we don't necessarily. It's not all about football down there. We just want to hang out in short north and get a good bite to eat. So there's a good chance we'll be there, but 
I'm excited for this weekend because I'll be at the Indy 500. Our family's got a great tailgate, so that'll be a great time um, just to get away for a little bit, bringing a buddy of mine um, on the team. So we talked about that, so that'll, that'll be a good time. But You bringing some of that alcohol behind you? Are you bringing some of that with you? Are they, are they ready to rock and roll? Yeah, no, I might have chose the wrong spot to sit and a little, uh, a little tempting now. Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. My flight's here in about five hours or so. So we'll have, uh, we'll be at the tailgate. We start early around 7.30 and I already got a beer in my hand. So it'll be a fun, long, fun, long day. So looking forward to that, but nothing in particular. I mean, it's again, it's always a great time talking to you. Um, very fortunate to be connected with you as well. And thank you so much for kind of having me here. It's, uh, it means a lot. Likewise, brother. I appreciate it. Enjoy time with the, uh, the family, safe travels, have a couple beers for me. I'll be hanging with my family this weekend as well. We'll be going up to, uh, uh, lake house. We'll go to lake house up North. So go out there and shotgun a couple beers and Green uh, <laughs> have a good time. So, all right, man. Well, hey, safe travels. Appreciate it. Let's stay in touch, brother. And uh, we'll see you here in Columbus, hopefully in like the next month or so. Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. You too, brother. Peace.